0: awesome to be with the city church. Um, I, I just thought I would ask if anybody else, our home has encountered an invasion in the last year. I don't know if it happened in your house. The invasion has been by these circular speakers that answer to a name. Anybody got one of those? Alexa. Alexa has made her home in our house. And, and Alexa listens to us all the time and, and we talk to her. And my kids, have learned to talk to Alexa. They know that she will play the Trolls soundtrack for them if they ask. If you have a child under a certain age, you are very familiar with the Trolls soundtrack, I bet you, um, and, and I'm so thankful that Alexa can play that for them whenever they want. Um, my, my son, my wife, walked into the kitchen this week and found my son confirming to Alexa that we wanted to upgrade to Amazon Prime Unlimited. Yeah, that was really fun. Like she was like, "And you're sure that you want to do?" This? And he was ready to say yes, but she like cut him off and said, "No, we're not even sure that we want Prime anymore. Like, don't keep raising our rates, people." Um, but anyway, the, that's like that's as bad as it's gotten in our house. There are other people that have had it much worse. Okay, there's a there's a girl out west. She's seven years old, and she decided one day that she wanted to tell Alexa about how much she wanted cookies and a dollhouse. And so two days later at her house shows up seven pounds of cookie dough and a $180 dollhouse. Her parents were thrilled. <laughs> so thrilled that they told everybody and, and people thought it was really funny and the local news found out and they thought it was really funny. And so the local news ran the story saying about this family who their daughter had talked to Alexa and said that she wanted cookies and dollhouse and had wound up with seven pounds of cookie dough and, and a dollhouse And then hundreds of people that had Alexa's in their rooms listening to the broadcast then had to tell Alexa, panicked. No, because she asked, do you want cookie dough and dollhouses? And so there were hundreds of people that now had Alexa's who thought that they wanted cookie dough and dollhouses because they had heard the TV say that Alexa could order cookie, crazy, right? It's nuts. But Alexa, I don't think she or other People like her are going anywhere in the years to come. And what I have found out is that Alexa reveals something about our theology that is wrong. And the fact is, when we talk to Alexa, we say she. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we say it. Why is that? We're actually more personal with our devices than we are with our God. That is just one of the things that I think come from a lot of misunderstandings we have about the Holy Spirit. There are all sorts of wrong ideas we can have about God in general, but I don't think there is any part of the Trinity that is more misunderstood than the Holy Spirit, right down to the pronouns we use when we talk about him. And so I want us to take some time and let's just not examine everything there is to know about the Holy Spirit. We're not gonna get into every single passage, but, but I want us to really look at what does Jesus, what does the Bible say about who the Holy Spirit is? This is not exhaustive. There are books and books and books and books that could be written and have been written about the Holy Spirit. We're not going to go through everything, but these are just fundamental things that I think we need to understand about who the Holy Spirit is because that philosophical knowledge has really, really big practical implications for our lives. And so we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at a bunch of scripture, but we're going to start there. It's in John chapter 14, and while you're getting there in your Bible, and we want you to bring your Bibles every single week to City Church. And I think it's important to look at your Bible, especially when we're together, because I remember thinking as a kid that the, the pastor didn't have the same Bible I did. He found all sorts of cool stuff in there that I didn't see that I thought was boring. And so I want you to know, like, your Bible is the same one in your hands that we use up here. And so you should be in your Bible. And, and we're going to look at a passage in John 14. It's a story. And then we're also going to look at a bunch of other stuff. And as we're putting scriptures on on the screens today, I encourage you, write them down and check them out yourself. Don't ever just take for granted that what we say is truth, right? If somebody says, well, that's in the Bible, check it. Actually find out, is it in the Bible? We don't ever want you to just blindly believe anything that that a man or a woman has said. Just take God for his word. Um, So John 14, it's towards the end of Jesus's life, right? In this section of Of Jesus' life in the Gospel of John, Jesus has been making hints, either very directly or very subtly, that he is going to die. That he is not going to be with the disciples forever in the way that he is. And the disciples are not excited about that. They're distressed. They really don't like the idea of Jesus that has walked with them for three years no longer being with them. I don't think you would either. And so in in John 14, we're at the Last Supper. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He said, a new command I give you, love one another like I have loved you. Beginning of John 14, he says that he's going away to be with the Father, and, and the disciples don't like that answer, and they said, show us the way, and he says, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he tries to comfort his distressed disciples by offering him this, starting in verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and, my, and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them, and we will make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Those words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, that's a lot. And there's easily like two or three sermons in that stretch of Scripture. But really today, I want us to look at, at some of the things that Jesus says specifically about who the Holy Spirit is. And again, we're going we're gonna to look at a lot of other things. But, but there are several things that I think are primary for us to understand about who the Holy Spirit is that have effects on our practical living. Okay, the very first thing that we need to understand about who the Holy Spirit is is that he is eternal, okay? And and this question, I think, needs to be answered, right? Jesus answers a question in saying that he's eternal because the question that raises in us when Jesus says he's going away is, I don't like that, right? If you're a disciple, you do not like the idea that Jesus is going away. I've had you for three years. If I were to give you the choice of Jesus right here or the Holy Spirit, you would take Jesus, I bet, If you had questions come up in life, it would be so nice to just ask Jesus. I want that one. That's the answer I want. Yet what Jesus has said is that he's going away. And in chapter 16, we're gonna talk about it in the weeks to come, but Jesus actually says, it's better for me to go away because you will get the Holy Spirit. But look at what Jesus says in verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You saw that word there forever. And this is not a temporary thing that Jesus is giving out. This is not a consolation prize. This is something that will never, ever leave. The Holy Spirit is everlasting. He is a part of the triune God. He is there in the beginning. He is there in the end. He is there in everything in between. The Holy Spirit is eternal. Hebrews 9, 14 also says, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? I don't know if you saw it, the eternal spirit is mentioned, right? In multiple places throughout the word, the Holy Spirit is mentioned as an eternal being. That is not something that comes and goes. That is not something that is is with the world at one point and not with the world at another point. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The second thing that is so important for us to understand about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person. And this is where the pronouns we use with the Holy Spirit come into play. Right, a lot of us have have come up with the belief for whatever reason, it's what we've heard, it's what we've been taught. The Holy Spirit is, is a thing or a force, right? And you want to talk about the force. My son got to see Star Wars, like the very first episode for this weekend, and he instantly, like, he's all about the force, okay? Everything is a lightsaber. He found a red tape measure and a green tape measure, and those are lightsabers because they retract, and he's like, he's all, we walked out of dinner the other night, and he looked at my truck, and and he like, I could just see it in his eyes, and he, he goes, and he was ready to move my truck, Like he was just sure that he had the force and Yoda is tiny and he can do it so obviously my four-year-old can do it. Like he's all about it. But really we tend to think that the Holy Spirit is this, this unseeable, unknowable force that exists out in the world or it is a thing or a power that we can use. It's for our benefit. But that's not what the Bible describes with the Holy Spirit. If you notice in verse 17, Jesus says, um, sorry, verse 17, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Right, in this passage, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the advocate, the spirit of truth, the guide, the Holy Spirit. Those are all personal names that he uses. Every time he speaks of him, the Holy Spirit is he or him. Jesus never refers to the Holy Spirit as it. Jesus describes a person that he says will live with you and will be in you. Okay, a thing or a force is not something that is with you, even if Star Wars says, may the force be with you. And it's not a thing that you control. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a person that you have a relationship with. Third thing that we need to know, the Holy Spirit is God. Okay, and and again, you don't know what backgrounds people come from, but I've talked to so many people who do not consider the Holy Spirit to be God. The Holy Spirit is important. The Holy Spirit is important to God. Holy Spirit should be important to people who love God, but but I'm not so sure the Holy Spirit is God. Let's look at Acts 5. And and in Acts 5, you should read like the whole story. It's a great one, and it'll make you ask all sorts of questions. Um, And I think questions are good to ask, but it's not a nice, tidy story. But in this story, Peter is talking to a man named Ananias. In verse three and four, he says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You have not just lied to human beings, but to God. Right there, Peter equates the two. And all throughout the New Testament, God and Holy Spirit are interchangeable. There is no distinction made that the Holy Spirit is is the other guy, the lesser God. The Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force or thing or power to be used by people. In fact, people are rebuked for treating him that way. The Holy Spirit is God. He is a member of the Trinity. Fourth thing we need to know, the Holy Spirit has his own mind and prays for us. Now we're starting to get into the crazy stuff, right? I promise we're not gonna get too crazy. And I promise we're gonna stick with the Bible. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That is not something that an impersonal force does. The Holy Spirit, think about that, is praying on our behalf right now. In the moments when we do not know what to pray, the Holy Spirit is speaking on our behalf to the Father, praying for us. And because the Holy Spirit is God, what he is praying is in complete agreement with the will of God. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you don't know what to pray. You're not sure what God's will is for something. Maybe you guys are awesome and you always know exactly what God's will is. You know exactly what the right thing to pray would be. I don't. You know who does know God's will? God. And the word tells us that the Holy Spirit, God himself, is praying on our behalf in accordance with his will. That is a friend I want to have. Next thing, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Isaiah 63.10, Ephesians 4.30, and several other places both say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And that's one of those things that it's really easy to like just sort of glance over when we read, like don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But really think about that. How can you grieve someone that does not have emotions? And it seems sort of irrational for us. We we um, We see emotions as a sign of weakness a lot of times. That's not a biblical idea. God is a God who has emotions. And the Holy Spirit is grieved. It makes him sad when brokenness is lived out in this world, whether that is brokenness between us and God or brokenness between us and our brothers or sisters. When we live outside of God's holiness, it breaks the heart of the Holy Spirit. Again, not something that an impersonal force lives out. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Next, the Holy Spirit has his own desires and will. First Corinthians twelve eleven. all these, he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. He, he cannot distribute things as he determines if he does not have a will that is determined. The Holy Spirit has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for this world. He has a plan for the church. And he acts in ways to bring about that plan. And so the idea that he is just floating somewhere out there is not in Scripture. Scripture. Last, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, okay? And those are three really big, fancy Bible college words. for all all all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. And we won't go through each scripture and, and, and debrief them, but please write them down, check. The Holy Spirit is completely God. There is no place in life or in death There is no place on this earth that he does not exist. There is no thing he cannot do as God. And there is nothing that surprises him. He's not caught off guard by anything. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is God made personal. Why does that matter? Why do we need to take time and really examine this? Why does it matter if we maybe haven't thought about it that way? Because part of the very attributes of God is that he is a personal God. Our God is a personal God. It is fundamental to he is. The Holy Spirit is God. He is an essential member of the Trinity, and he is so essential because God the Father is, does not fit into any box. Okay, if we want another fancy word, he's incorporeal. He doesn't have a body. God the Father is not bound by any limit at all. That makes him very hard to, to access. Jesus is physically human. That makes him really hard to access because he is a person. I don't know if you've ever tried to be in relationship with every person in the world. That's kind of hard. And so you've got God that is completely unknowable, unattainable, outside of any box, and God that is in a box that makes him hard to grasp in some ways. In other ways, he makes God totally accessible to us. We are missing something that allows God to be bigger than any box we could ever try to put him in, and yet at the same time accessible to every single one of us. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. That is as personal as God can get. God has made himself not outside of the box, not inside of any small box. God has allowed himself to be in you. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. You can have a relationship with a person. Therefore, through the Holy Spirit, you can have a relationship with God. And beyond that, God can live in you. And I want to say that's kind of a big deal. Think about that. God can live in you. A holy God has made himself available to be with and in a very unholy you. And what can happen when a holy God lives with and in you is absolutely incredible. It changes all the rules. It upends everything we think we're supposed to be and know. The Holy Spirit is not a force to be controlled. The Holy Spirit is not an object for us to to master or to know or, or to command. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, God personally living in you so that you might be a force to change this world. And what the Word tells us is that when we find life with and in the Spirit, all sorts of things happen. The end of this passage, John fourteen twenty six says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's just one thing, but it's a big thing. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a place where you may not have remembered everything that Jesus ever said. Maybe you don't know exactly how Jesus would act in a certain situation. Anybody ever been there? All the time. And so if left to to my own self to figure out how am I supposed to be like Christ, I don't know that I would do a great job all the time. I know for a fact I don't do a great job all the time. Yet Jesus is saying if you have the Holy Spirit with you, he will remind and teach you of everything you need to know. The word says that if you have the Spirit of God at work in you, you will be able to speak in difficult situations with words of wisdom that you'll be able to teach, that he will teach and remind you that he will guide you that he will transform your heart that he will free you from fear that you may see the world with through new lenses that you can have a hope that does not make sense to this world and you can actually live out the kingdom of heaven right here. All of that is made possible when God Himself resides in you. Just saying it out loud makes me feel like I'm not, that shouldn't be real. That shouldn't be possible. But it is, and if we can really understand that, as much as we can understand God, if we can really grab hold of that and believe it to be true, things change. Let me tell you a little example of how I've seen this at work in somebody's life. Somebody who, who got to see the Holy Spirit transform from being it and that thing over there to being real. To being a person. A family that I pastored, um, the, the mom of the family, um, she, she had a really, really bad cold. It was a viral thing. And, and she went to the doctor and they said, yep, really bad cold. This is normal. And, and within three days, it became Pneumonia. It set in deep in her chest to the point where she had to be intubated, put on life support, and went into an unresponsive coma. Her husband's world turned upside down. He has doctors saying, we don't know what to tell you. I know 72 hours ago, she was fine. I know this is, we, we don't know. And we don't know what to tell you from here. We just have to hope. And so family, friends, church, church members, pastoral staff, we, we went and we prayed and we visited on a daily basis. And, and finally, after a few weeks of like not knowing what the heck is gonna happen, I went and visited and I just said, you know, um, I don't know what to say. I have no idea what to tell you. There is no prayer that I can pray that you probably haven't prayed. I have no words to offer you right now. What I do know is that in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I said, I don't know what to pray, and I'm sure you don't either, but I know for a fact the Holy Spirit does, and right now, when you can't get out a word, he is praying on your behalf and on your wife's behalf, and what he is praying is in accordance with the will of God. And I don't know what that is. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have some magical force that lets me be a future teller. I do know that God will never abandon us. And right now in your darkest hour, he's here too. And he is at work in this situation regardless of what it may seem like. And so you don't need to come up with the magic words. Just know He is praying on your behalf. And it was still weeks before anything changed. And she eventually did get better. But before anything had ever turned, he said to me, man, you have no idea what that meant. Every time I see him to this day, he brings up to me, and I can't tell you enough how much that scripture meant to me to know that when everything was falling apart, God was still for us and he was acting on our behalf. And I didn't have to know any special magic words to make it happen. He was there. That is not an impersonable, unknowable God. That is a God that is with us in every single circumstance, in every single place, and is not caught off guard by anything. That is not some force somewhere else. That is the Holy Spirit of God at work in the lives of his people. And the Holy Spirit wants to be at work in your life. Maybe you didn't know that God wants to be real in that way to you. Maybe you've never heard that God operates that way. Maybe you grew up thinking that God is some distant foreign thing that's up in the sky and and he's just waiting for perfect people to show up and do the right things, right? Maybe God wants, maybe he doesn't need perfect people, but he needs people better than you. Maybe God needs people who know all the right magic words and all the right motions to go through and that's how he acts in their world. Maybe that's the God that you know that's not the God that is revealed in Scripture. Nowhere does it say, transform your hearts and then call on the Holy Spirit. It says, no, 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 call on Jesus in His Holy Spirit and He can transform you. The work of transformation happens in relationship with Jesus and His Holy Spirit, not before. So, how do I have a relationship with that God? How do I get to that God? Well, it starts with the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. (laughs) Jesus' Holy Spirit is made available by Jesus. And the reality is that Jesus died on a cross a long time ago in your place, so that you might know a different life. It is a life with the comforter, with the advocate, with the guide, with the spirit of truth. A life that is full of community, that is full of hope, with peace, with purpose, and with power that is greater than death. And again, saying it out loud doesn't even seem real. But that is the God that we serve. That life that is full of hope and peace and joy and purpose and power, that is a life in the Spirit. And we find that life in Jesus. And so if you have never said yes to that life, you should. And you should say yes today. It's really not A difficult process. It's saying, "Jesus, I need you. I need that life. I need a different life than the one of God." And He says, "Everything has been forgiven. Come on home." And let's do a life with and in you that looks completely different. There are a lot of people you said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but you didn't know. You didn't know that he really wanted to be in and with you in everything. But that is the case. That changes everything. And so let's stop doing life all by ourselves. Let's do life with the Advocate, with the Comforter, with the Spirit of Truth. With God's Holy Spirit. Wherever you're at, I invite you to pray with me. Jesus. Holy Spirit. Lord, we come to you not knowing all the right words to say, all the right things to do, because that's not how you work. Lord, we come to you, and we say we need you. We need you because we can't do this thing on our own. Jesus, we need a God who is with us, who is for us, who is in us. And so Jesus, today, would you take residence in our hearts through your spirit? Holy Spirit, would you you give us life? We desperately need it. We desperately need you. And this world desperately needs people who know that life. So Lord, give us life. Thank you for being a God who has allowed us to be in relationship with you. Thank you for being a God who does not leave us where we are. Thank you for a God who does not leave us anywhere, even our darkest moments. It is in your name and through your spirit we pray, Jesus.